Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya Tanaka's Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka Polanco and Franco Every team in baseball made a trade at this deadline. That's all you need to know. Welcome into a bonus Kokomo Friday edition of Fantasy Baseball today. On July 30th, the MLB trade deadline is over. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. Not Chris Towers. You're Scott White. Not Chris Towers. Man, it's... Is it really over, Frank? It's no, it's is never it really over because it, it seems like trades keep trickling in. I, I, I can't get caught up. I, I feel like I'm drowning. Are we sure it's over? Is the it's Batman never. gone? It's never over, Scott. And and I was looking right at you while I was writing this introduction, and I still managed to write Chris Towers. So that tells you exactly <laughs> where I am at. We often make these hyperbolic claims. This is the craziest season ever. This is, oh, we've never seen this many injuries. I think this is actually the craziest trade deadline ever, Scott. I would agree. I mean, I'd, ever, I, I only have so much history to draw from, but... I can at least compare it to the the 14 years I've been employed in this capacity. And I would say, yes, yes, crazy. I texted Adam Azer a little bit earlier and I said, you chose a great time to leave the baseball podcast, huh? <laughs> and he was like, oh, good podcast fodder. That was it. All right, well, thanks, Adam. I hope you're enjoying your Friday. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun here. We're going to try and figure out everything that's going on. Let's start with... All of the Cubs, they are gone. They are no longer on the Chicago Cubs. And we'll start with Chris Bryant, who winds up on the San Francisco Giants for outfielder Alexander Canario and right-handed pitcher Caleb Killian. On the season, Chris Bryant's batting 267, 18 homers, four steals. He had an awful June, but has really bounced back in July, batting 290 with a 922 OPS. He is the 74th overall player in Roto this season. However... He does see a negative park shift here going from Wrigley Field, which according to StatCast is the ninth best in terms of park factors, to Oracle Park, which is 14. So it's not a huge downgrade, but it is a downgrade. Yeah, so I take it or- Oracle Park has still been playing much better for hitters than it has in the past because it used to be clearly the the most pitcher-friendly park. Uh, let's see here. So Bryant, I'm, I'm just gonna, gonna check out my new favorite resource here on, on baseball savant, the expected home runs by park. Let's see. So Brian actually has 18. And if he'd played all his games in San Francisco, it says he'd have 15. Of course, that's really just taking into account the trajectory of the ball and the size of the park it doesn't 
account for environmental conditions. Um, so the course field numbers are always very low for hitters because it's a huge park. Uh, but San Francisco has some environmental conditions too that I would say are working against it. So yeah, I mean, clearly a park downgrade in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried that Chris Bryant's production might drop by a tier going to San Francisco. I think, I think that's a reasonable concern. We know he's going to play. There's no playing time concerns. There are playing times for other playing time concerns for others in San Francisco Evan Longoria seems to be gearing up to return. I presume Bryant would move to the outfield once Longoria does return. And that could cut into the playing playing time, most probably for Alec, Alex Dickerson, who hasn't been nearly as productive as he was last year. And that's no great loss if, if that's all it ends up being. But the Giants r- rarely put together the same lineup two nights in a row and... It just, you know, it, I, I could see it impacting others too. Yeah, it could be Alex Dickerson. It could be Steven Duggar, who's really fallen off after a nice couple of months there with the Giants. Oh, oh you know what? Brandon Belt's also soon to return from the sure. IL. So Lamont Jordan, who's been hitting well, Lamont Wade. seemed like he. It seemed like he could take Alex Dickerson's spot, but now, um, yeah, maybe, maybe Steven Duggar uh, would be the second one. You know, once Belt and Longoria are both back. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we could lose somebody interesting from that lineup with Bryant coming aboard. That's Lamont Wade, by the way, Scott. You did say. Oh, what did I say? Lamont Jordan, who I think is a former running back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. A former running yeah, back for in the, the Raiders <laughs> and I think the University of Maryland or something. Yeah. There you go. I don't know how you got football on the brain. Anyway, look, for Chris Bryant, the I think the power could see a little bit of a downtick here, but overall, he is going from the Cubs, who were 20th in runs per game, joining the San Francisco Giants, who are currently 8th in baseball in runs per game. So they're a scrappy lineup. Buster Posey's had a great year. Brandon Crawford, all those players getting ready to return here. I think we could see some RBI run production increase for Chris Bryant, potentially, but we could see the power take a little bit of a step back for him. Let's talk about Javier Baez and Trevor Williams, who are headed to the New York Mets in exchange for outfield prospect Pete Crow Armstrong, who was their first-round pick from last season in 2020. He's 19 years old. He did undergo shoulder surgery this season. And for Javier Baez, he's having a really good year. 248 batting average. That's not great, but it's kind of expected. 22 home runs, 65 RBI, 13 steals for Javier Baez. 36% strikeout rate. We know the strikeouts are always high for him. He is the 32nd overall player in Roto this season because of that combination of power and speed. This one is a little bit worse. According to StatCast Park Factors, again, Wrigley Field, ninth best. City Field is 28th. So I don't know how much that factors in. It sounds like he's going to play shortstop for now while Francisco Lindor is on the IL. The ESPN broadcast said that Lindor is going to slide over to second base when he returns. I don't know if that's... I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere, but... That's an early read on the situation. Yeah, because Baez has actually played all over the infield before. So it, it, it would just seem like he'd be the one to move when Lindor returns. But Lindor might not be back until mid-September, you know? Yeah. So we can worry about that later. I'm, I'm not sure what those park factor numbers you're given are interesting. Is, are the, just this year? Because City Field has been a pretty neutral park historically. Um, so I'm surprised... 
I'm surprised that number's coming in so low. Let me put in. Let and me put on the three-year rolling average for you, Scott. And we have that would put the Cubs at 19th, Wrigley Field at 19th, and City Field at 22nd. So that home runs by park uh, metric that Statcast has would have would see Baez have 21 home runs now. At City Field versus the twenty-two he actually has. All right, so not a big change. Yeah, I mean, to, to the extent that we can rely on that, and it's you know, people people were kind of criticizing my that I dare reference that in my analysis for Anthony Rizzo because it's not that simple. No, of course it's not that simple, but it's nice to be able to put a specific number on it rather than just talking in vague terms like oh. You know, he's going to a pitcher of Renly Park now. Maybe he'll lose some number of home runs. Like, I know it's not gospel truth. Yes, but it's also fun, though, Scott. Like, we've seen this before where when a player changes teams, we have this park overlay, and it's fun to imagine, oh, well, if he played in this park, look at all these outs that would have been home runs, and now we have something that quantifies that. So we're not... Right, exactly. Exactly, you know, it's, it's not, like you said, gospel, but... It gives you a point of reference. It, it gives uh, to me, it gives a clear indication of what kind of difference it would make than just pure speculation. But yeah, it's not. Uh, it's obviously not an exact measure. But yeah, I, I really don't see Javier Baez's production changing with this move. Uh, at some point, he could pick up eligibility somewhere else. Mm-hmm. At some point, maybe it sounds like Lindor could. I would say J.D. Davis is certainly on notice because I suspect he would be bumped uh, rather than Jeff McNeil. McNeil, of course, can obviously shift over to third base. So, you know, he may not have long as a viable fantasy option, but the fact is they have four to six weeks to sort that out, and somebody else could get hurt in the meantime. Let's talk about the next one up, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, this one hurts, Scott, because I have a lot of Craig Kimbrell, and in one of my most important leagues, the NFBC main event, he is my top closer, and maybe closer no more, to the Chicago White Sox for second baseman Nick Madrigal, who is out for the rest of this season. He has a torn hamstring, and reliever Cody Hoyer. Hire? Hoyer. I think it's Hoyer. Um, what do you think happens here, Scott, Between in the White Sox bullpen? According to Ken Rosenthal, he said the White Sox plan to give both Kimbrell and Hendricks save opportunities. I don't know if that's going to fly for either reliever, both relievers. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I was. We were, we were talking about the prospect of Kimbrell being moved on the podcast recently, and I said I think the one place he could go, and and maybe not just assume the closer role automatically is the White Sox <laughs> because of how good Liam Hendricks has been the past couple of years and the fact that the the White Sox made a big and financial investment in him in the offseason. So, of course, that's where Kimbrell goes. That's wonderful. I, I mean, they're both righties. So it's not like there's... I, I, I'm not even sure what the justification would be for having them share the closer role other than so-and-so pitched two days in a row. He needs a night off. You know, and and just saying they plan to use both for saves, yet that doesn't mean a 50-50 split necessarily. I think 
you know, if, if you're if you're in a, a league, a traditional scoring league that mostly just rewards saves for relievers, and and ones who aren't getting saves don't have much value really. Can't afford to drop either of these guys right now. Obviously, mm-hmm. my suspicion is Kimbrel will come out ahead here, and I'm I'm not I'm not I don't have much to go on to say that. Obviously, it's just he's never been anything but a closer, really. Yeah, except except the past couple of years, you know, when he struggled and fell out of the role. But that's really the only role he's ever known. When Hendricks has spent most of his career as a setup man. So that would seem like a more natural transition. Plus, Kimbrell's numbers are better this year. But ultimately, it's not my decision to make. That's just, if I was managing the White Sox, that's how I'd think it through. I do wonder if they would do something like Hendricks for one save, Kimbrell for one save, Hendricks for one save, Kimbrell for one save. Not that we've ever seen yeah, that before. Yeah. or like It would be very unorthodox, and obviously Tony Larusa is an old school manager. I think he wants to have one closer, but the truth is he has two of the top three, top five closers in all of baseball. So they have that luxury and they, they can do that. They can go with a mix and match approach. If that's something that they want to do. Uh, Kimbrell, obviously we know has been doing this for much longer than Hendricks, but Hendricks has been better more recently. So yeah. And I'm, I'm not even sure like the every other night scenario, uh, obviously they're not going to be winning every night. Yeah. And to preserve a close win, I would imagine most days when they have a small lead, they would want both pitching, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. And, yeah, LaRusso is kind of a pioneer for bullpen roles, as I understand it. Like, and, and, and I know, it, uh, like, the 90s tradition of bullpen roles. Yeah. Larusa kind of pioneered that, so I, I don't know if he's still, if if that would make him more likely to choose one guy or not. It, it kind of makes me think he would. Yeah, I, I do wonder if this could lead to more wins potentially for one of them. I know Liam Hendricks; they've used more recently for multiple innings at a time. So maybe he can, if he's not pitching the ninth, he pitches the seventh and eighth. Maybe he winds up with a few more wins, something like that. But overall hold both for now. Let's see how this shakes out. Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell, both are still going to give you ridiculous ratios and a lot of strikeouts. Um, Nick Madrigal, he's going over to the Cubs here, Scott. We know he's not going to play the rest of this season, but any thoughts on him joining the Chicago Cubs? I feel like the Cubs just cloned Nico Horner. Yeah, right. They have both. One. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're both kind of out of their time players being contact first guys who can steal a base, but not a lot of power. And so far, it hasn't translated to much fantasy production for either. So, I, I you know, if I, if I were the White Sox, I wouldn't have hesitated to give up. I, I'm, I'm generally a hold your prospects guy, but I wouldn't have hesitated to give up Nick Madrigal for a year plus of Kimbrel. All right, Scott, who is your official Cubs closer prediction as of now? Well, since they acquired a reliever in that deal, and I haven't, let me, let me double check his numbers. I can't imagine they're that dominant because why would the White Sox have given him up? No, he hasn't been that good this year. He's got a high Cody, swinging. Ho- Cody Hoyer hasn't been that good this year. He's got a high swinging strike rate, but an ERA over five. He was great last year for what it's worth in 23 and two-thirds innings, 152 ERA, 0.89 whip. I would guess Dan Winkler gets the first 
chance, but I don't really think he'll have a chance to secure it outright. And we talked about we talked recently about how uh, Dylan Maples just went on the IL, but with only a blister. So I don't imagine that's going to be a long term asset. I feel like absence. I feel like uh, I feel like Maples is going to get a shot here when he gets back and has maybe the best chance of anyone in that bullpen of actually becoming a closer. The Phillies made a decent size move and they acquired both Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from the Texas Rangers in exchange for pitching prospect Spencer Howard. So let's start with Kyle Gibson, who's having a very good season right now. 2.87 ERA. The underlying numbers say he's been a little bit lucky. 4.15 XFIP, a 3.69 expected ERA. So his yeah. quality of contact allowed has actually been very, very good this season for uh, Kyle Gibson. It's a negative park shift, but he also gets to face opposing pitchers now. Scott, what do you think this does for Kyle Gibson's value? Well, I think his stock was trending down already. His last three starts have been not so great. He's been one of the biggest overachievers in XFIP. He's over. His, he's been one of the pitchers who's overachieved, his, outperformed his XFIP by the most, as you pointed out. And... Um, I think it's I think it's been coming home to roost. I think moving to a smaller park will only exacerbate that. He is a ground ball pitcher, so I don't know that the park issue I, I don't know that the park change is as much the issue for Gibson as just natural regression. But yeah, I, I expect him to continue to lose value. Not to the point that you need to think about dropping him or anything, but he has he has overachieved so far this year for sure. Ian Kennedy. Is currently 71% rostered on CBS. He's got a 2.51 ERA, 1.05 whip. It's been a great bounce back season for Ian Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he will be the closer, Scott? I believe he has history with Joe Girardi. They were in the Yankee. I think they were in the Yankees organization together. I'll look it up, but do you think he closes? <laughs> well, it really comes down to whether they decide to go with the former Ranger or the current Ranger, being Ranger Suarez, who they've been <laughs> using in that role. I think they're going to go with the former Ranger. I think they're going to go with Ian Kennedy. You know, they've they've struggled all year to find a, a reliable late inning guy, and though Suarez has gotten the job done here recently, Kennedy's been doing it all season. I worry it's going to be like uh, who was it that they acquired last year from the Red Sox because he had been getting saves. Brandon had, Brandon Workman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he didn't look he didn't look that dominant really. And I'm afraid they're. The same is going to happen with Kennedy because Kennedy has gotten the job done, but he hasn't really, you know, it's not like he has a huge strikeout rate or anything. It, it does seem like it could fall apart. But I imagine they go with him at first and go back to using Suarez as more like a multi-inning reliever. Ian Kennedy and Joe Girardi were together for two seasons, it looks like, on the Yankees back in the day, 2008 and 2009. So it's been a while, but they uh, do have some familiarity there. All right, so I I agree with you. I think it's going to be Ian Kennedy as the closer. Scott, what do you think this does for Spencer Howard, who has great minor league numbers, and it hasn't worked to this point in the major leagues? He's kind of been messed around with here with the Phillies. They only let him start two, three innings here. They don't give him a full workload. You have him in the Scott White Dynasty League, so... I do, and I traded for him earlier this year. What do you think this does for his Dynasty value? As somebody who has invested in him in a Dynasty League, I was happy to see Spencer Howard traded away from the Phillies because I just got the feeling 
they they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with him. And yeah, he had bounced between roles and his velocity had been unsteady and and uh it just it just seemed like he was falling short of his potential. Remember, two years ago in the minors, he had amazing numbers, like an ERA around two, over eleven K per nine. Uh, was one of the very best pitching prospects in baseball. But I was afraid the Phillies were taking him down the wrong path. So now he goes to the the Rangers, who hopefully will handle him a little better. For what it's worth, Phillies fans. You know, you may think, why are we giving up such a big prospect for two guys who look like they may be overachievers this year? You did also get a prospect, a pitching prospect back in the deal, Hans Kraus, who's not Spencer Howard's level, but he's pretty good. Hmm. All right. Good to know there. Let's move on to, we still got a lot more trades. Richard Rodriguez goes to your Atlanta Braves. The Braves, we were just talking about this yesterday, that we didn't really hear anything, and then they came out here on Friday, and they made not a blockbuster move, but they made a bunch of moves. So let's talk about it. Richard Rodriguez to Atlanta for Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito. We know that Richard Rodriguez will not be the closer, so he can likely be dropped. Well, do we know he won't be the closer? Yeah, well, yeah, that was kind of, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. He's been really good. Will Smith is a lefty. I guess we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. I suspect it'll be Will Smith. He's our his salary's already fixed. Well, Richard Rodriguez is, I think he has a year left of arbitration. So that, I mean that that shouldn't be the primary reason, but you know it helps. And I, I think Will Smith is better. His ERA is worse, uh, but everything else is better for Will Smith. And after kind of a bumpy road early on, he's settled down. I'd be surprised if they changed to Richard Rodriguez, but I, uh, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's unthinkable. I think you have to wait and see how it plays out first. I, I suppose it's possible that they even go the lefty-righty route hmm. and play the matchups the way like the A's have been doing with Lou Trevino and Jake Diekman. So Richard Rodriguez is arbitration eligible for the next two seasons, actually. So that could factor in. Uh, oh, cool. Let's talk about the Pirates side of things. We all just keep assuming that David Bednar is going to be the was the closer in waiting here for the Pirates, and he's had a very good year, 2.70 ERA, 11.3 K per nine, and has worked most consistently as the eighth inning reliever for the Pirates. Chris Stratton is also there. Who do you think is the closer for the Pirates? Yeah, I think Bednar, the only hesitation is that he's a rookie and are they going to think ahead to how his salary arbitration will go down the line? Probably not. He's been the eighth inning guy. He's been their best reliever. And I suspect he'll be the one who gets the shot to close. David Bednar is currently 10% rostered on CBS. So if you do need some saves, he is a name that you can look at. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. 
Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Next one up, Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison to the Oakland A's for catcher Drew Milas, right-hand pitcher Seth Schumann, and right-hand pitcher Richard Gouache. What do you think this does, Scott? Uh, I guess it sounds like Sean Murphy is going to lose playing time, right, in Oakland. And I know you gave me a heads up beforehand. Everyone might flock and say, oh, well, the Nationals traded away Jan Gomes. This means Caber Ruiz is automatically going to be the starter for the Nationals. Do you think that is going to be the case? Well, I saw a tweet really just minutes before we went on. Davey Martinez, I guess, was talking to reporters. Davey Martinez, the Nationals manager, and said... Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray are probably going to report to AAA first, that they're close and could be up in September. Rosters only expand by two in September, so September call-ups is a, a term that's going to have different meaning now going forward. But that's that's the way Davey Martinez characterized it. So, you know, I was hopeful that the biggest outcome of this Jan Gomes trade was that Ruiz would get a shot right away. Sounds like that's not the case, though. I mean... I don't, I don't know that Davey Martinez is the one making the final call on that. And he did use the word probably. But still, that's, that's a clear indication that we've gotten so far. Josh Harrison, do you think he's just a utility guy for them? Does he start at second base? I know Jed Lowry was technically their second baseman, but they also have Tony Kemp. I imagine Harrison's just a utility guy. All right. Next up. Joaquim Soria to the Toronto Blue Jays. Not that the Diamondbacks are a great team. In fact, they're very bad. But if you need saves, Tyler Clippard most recently got a save for the Diamondbacks, and it was his first save in three years. So if you're speculating, I would guess Tyler Clippard in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a great reliever deep into his 30s now. (laughs) And uh, a better reliever than Joaquim Soria is by far the best reliever in that bullpen. I actually wondered if he might get traded. You know, so the fact they got a save the other day, I would say Clippert is the guy for the Diamondbacks. However, infrequently, they'll have a save chance. 1% rostered is Tyler Clippert. So for those in the deepest of leagues, I had a waivers run on Thursday night. So I was up. I was already going to be up very late, but I was <laughs> throwing some waiver wire bids in. I had my Kyle Finnegan's and my Marlins relievers and all these kind of crazy. And, and this weekend is going to be even worse because now we have even, we'll have a little bit more clarity, hopefully. So it's, uh, it's going to be a big weekend if you need saves in those deeper leagues. Hansel Robles traded to the Boston Red Sox. And we know that Taylor Rogers is currently on the IL with a finger sprain. Uh, Scott, do you think Tyler Duffy will be the closer for now for the Twins? I mean, I don't know who else it'll be. That's, I mean, and that's the only thing that makes this Hansel Robles trade relevant, obviously. He wasn't that good. He's going to a bullpen where they have alternatives. So, 
who closes from in Minnesota now? I would guess Duffy. I don't know how that exciting that is. His 2019 and 2020 seasons were great, but just hasn't been missing bats this year. How can we forget? Alex Colome is on the team. He's been awful. He's got a 4.82 ERA this season. So Duffy's whip is very high. The strikeouts are down, but he has been more effective than Alex Colome this season. So that would be my guess, though. Obviously, Colome has that experience. Tyler Duffy, uh, first one up for me as well. This is a loaded question, Scott. So just give me your three favorite from these names. If you need saves in a categories league, Kyle Finnegan with the Nationals, David Bednar with the Pirates, Tyler Clippard with the Diamondbacks, Dan Winkler with the Cubs, Anthony Bender or Dylan Floro with the Marlins, Spencer Patton, who is with the Rangers. We didn't talk about him, but that's my pick. Uh, Tyler Duffy with the Twins, and anybody on Tampa. So that, that is a lot of names, but they are available in many CBS leagues. Who are your three favorites if you need saves? I think Bednar is my favorite. Yeah, me too. Followed by Clippard, just because I think there's some there's def, there's there's real clarity there. And third, I think it I think Dylan Floro is going to get the shot for the Marlins over Anthony Bender, Ooh. Bedner and Bender, Bender. <laughs> so I would say Floro would be my third choice. Do you think Spencer Patton will get the first opportunity in Texas? It's possible. He hasn't been up for that long. The strikeout rate is good. He's been working in the eighth inning role. He's thirty. He's a 33-year-old, though, without much of a track record of success, clearly. So I kind of I think the, the Rangers are just going to be so bad. It's going to be a lot like the Royals bullpen or the Orioles bullpen where the those opportunities are going to come up so infrequently. And... How often is how often is Chris Woodward going to go to the same guy two times in a row? I'm I'm not I'm not confident that'll happen. I agree with you that Spencer Patton's the most logical choice, but I just I don't think there's a lot of value there. That that's my guess. I'll give you a name to watch in the Rangers bullpen and a name that I am praying gets the job. But the first the name to watch is Joe Barlow, who is 25 years old. He's only made nine appearances. But averaging 10.6K per nine, he's got a 14% swinging strike rate, 1.17 ERA. Demarcus Evans. I mean, come on. This is a match made in heaven. I've, I've been talking about Evans for basically the two the last two years, and he's been quite bad whenever he's gotten an opportunity <laughs> in the majors to this point. But awesome minor yeah. league numbers, lots of strikeouts, lots of walks. So he's a name. He was a prospect for them. We'll see if he can work his way in there, but he's mostly been very bad. You know who else has been very bad? Andrew Heaney, who is now on the New York Yankees, which is, um, it just does not suit his skill set. You know, he's someone who struggled with home runs uh-huh. in Angel Stadium, and now he's yeah. joining the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So I, I don't yeah. think there's anything to see here, Scott. What do you think? It goes from the best division for a homer prone pitcher to the worst division for a homer prone pitcher, in addition to the the park shift. And I don't know that he has long in the Yankees rotation anyway. Obviously, they could use him right now because Luis Severino hasn't come back. Corey Kluber hasn't come back. They're both working their way back. And I suspect he would be the first one out, especially since I think he's going to struggle. I guess Domingo Herman could struggle again and lose the job, but I 
I think it's going to be Heaney. I don't you know. He's got an ERA over five this year with the Angels. Let's stick with the Yankees here. And their lineup is actually out for Friday. They're going up against the Marlins. They are in a National League park. Interesting. Well, first of all, I'll just point out, DJ LeMahieu and Gio Urshela are not in the lineup because they're day-to-day with various ailments. But Glaber Torres is leading off. Joey Gallo batting second. Aaron Judge batting third. Anthony Rizzo fourth. Giancarlo Stanton is in left field. He's batting fifth. Rugnet Odor, Gary Sanchez, Tyler Wade, and then Jamison Tyone is pitching. The one I wanted to bring up, Scott, he wasn't moved at the deadline. Luke Voigt. Had a few questions on Twitter. What happens with Luke Voigt now? And I guess when he's healthy, by all accounts, it sounds like he's close. They could go with Giancarlo Stanton in left field, Joey Gallo in center, Luke Voigt at DH, but that just exposes Stanton to so much injury risk. So what do you think happens with Luke Voigt? I'm concerned about it. Yeah, there's there's certainly a path for all the bats playing. But, yeah, I think the Yankees were hoping they'd be able to trade Voight. I know that was something that some of their some of the people on the Yankees beat brought up, is maybe Voight becomes a candidate to trade. It didn't happen. And I don't know why they just want to eliminate him. I understand he's had trouble staying healthy this year, but it still looks like he's a quality bat, of course, one of their... Very best, in fact. A, a better bat, I would assume, still than Anthony Rizzo, even though we think Yankee Stadium is going to help Anthony Rizzo. So, I I would guess they go with the lineup that's going to maximize offense and just cross their fingers everybody stays healthy. Yeah, you can't. You can only predict that so much anyway. Yeah, that's the way that I'm leaning as of now. But if we're being honest, I mean we kind of play injury roulette pretty often here with the Yankees, so these things have a way of working themselves out. It wouldn't surprise me. Hopefully this doesn't happen, but if someone gets hurt, then Luke Voigt's playing time could be much easier to come across here. We had a few other smaller trades. Let's talk about it. Jorge Soler went to your Atlanta Braves, which is kind of a curious move, considering they well, just traded for Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson. Yeah, They've acquired <laughs> four outfielders in the last two weeks. This is an NL team. What are they doing? We talked about the other moves already on a separate emergency podcast where we also discussed the Jose Barrios trade in depth. So if you haven't listened to that yet, it's a a separate download, but you can figure it out. Um, Yeah, Jorge Soler, we've talked about him a lot recently. He's been hot. He seems like he's turning a season around. He still makes very high-quality contact like you'd expect from an elite power hitter, like he did two years ago when he hit 48 home runs. And the strikeout rate is very similar to that 48 home run season too, among the best Jorge Soler's ever had. So we were already thinking things were looking up for Soler. Now he goes to a smaller part. I don't know that that is going to make the difference so much as just him, you know, apparently apparently seeing the ball better than he was earlier in the season, squaring it up better. I'm not sure exactly how the playing time is going to shake out. There is no natural center fielder among that group. Uh, Duvall and Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson have all played some center field. Of course, they wouldn't dare put Soler in center field. Uh, Eddie Rosario is not healthy right now. Also worth bringing up. He's dealing an, an intercostal strain, I believe it is. And there's not a clear timetable for his return. So I don't know exactly how it shakes out. 
I feel like Solaire would be the highest priority bat of those they acquired. Uh, Peterson might end up being in a position where he sits against left-handers now. So keep that in mind. I, I feel like Solaire would be the highest priority bat, but that's... I, it, it might also depend on performance, just who's the hot hand at the moment of that group that can be... I mean, all of them can be streaky, right? I, I guess maybe Rosario doesn't fit into that category, but he's just underachieved this year to this point. Yeah, big time. Let's move on to the next one. We had reliever Phil Maton go from Cleveland over to the Houston Astros in exchange for Miles Straw. So I think Miles Straw is still going to play every day for Cleveland. It's a much worse lineup. There's an opportunity for him to potentially lead off for this team. And Cleveland does like to run. So maybe even an uptick in value for Miles Straw, but we kind of know who he is. He's, he's just going to give you speed. And earlier I saw a quote from Astros GM James Click. He said, he felt Chaz McCormick did everything he could to earn more playing time, and it sounds like he's going to start in center field for the Astros. Last name I'll bring up, a lot of names I'm throwing your way, Jake Myers, who is with the Astros organization. He was at AAA, batting 343, 16 homers, 10 steals, a 10.06 OPS. So, all of it, Scott. Miles Straw, you think Chaz McCormick's actually the starting center fielder? Does Jake Myers swoop in? What do you think? Well, do we know Myers is coming up? No, no. I haven't seen that confirmed at all. It's just he's been crushing at AAA, so I guess it's a natural assumption. Okay. Yeah, well, well, since Click has cited Chaz McCormick, and McCormick has basically been the only other player Wait. man center field for the Jake Cap- Astros. Jake Kaplan did tweet an hour ago, the Astros are calling up center fielder Jake Myers from AAA. So he is okay. on the way. Yeah, that might complicate things. Now, McCormick is a a right-handed hitter, but his so so he'd been mostly playing against lefties, but his numbers are actually better against righties this year. Having said that, his numbers the underlying numbers would suggest he's overachieved. The qualities the, the contact's been high quality, a high hard hit rate, but a 32% strikeout rate. And his XBA is only 207. Ah, you know, he's pretty athletic. He does he's only stolen two bases. So I, I could see with more playing time, maybe him running more and, and being like a really low batting average power speed threat. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's gonna be truly an everyday situation with Jake Myers coming up. I would save McCormick for the deeper league still. Chaz McCormick, 5% rostered. If you play in 15-team Roto Leagues, five outfielders, take a shot. I mean, this is a really, really good lineup with the Astros, and it's cheap exposure to to get in on that run production. But yeah, let's see what happens between uh, Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers. A few other small moves here. John Lester to the Cardinals. Meh. 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 Michael Chavis (laughs) to the Pirates for left-handed reliever Austin Davis. Meh. (laughs) <laughs> we sound like frogs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, how do I save the best for last? The biggest trade of the day. Jay Hat to the Cardinals for left-handed pitcher Evan Sisk and John Gant. How about uh, that? Uh, there were people tweeting at me they wanted an emergency podcast from Chris Towers <laughs> when John Gant was traded. John Gant. That's an addition by subtraction right there. Sure is. I, no, saw- I mean, the, the, the back end of the Cardinals bullpen uh, 
rotation was pretty miserable. So you can't even really say getting Lester Hap hurts somebody else that we cared about. It's pretty, pretty irrelevant move for our purposes. All right, I think we covered most of what has happened to this point. Obviously, we've done a bunch of emergency podcasts talking about other trades that have happened on Wednesday and Thursday, and we have another podcast where we talked about Jose Barrios, which Scott already referenced. But at this point, Scott, we kind of know, I think, everything that has happened. So let's just wrap up with this. Give me a few of your biggest fantasy winners from this trade deadline. So I will be writing an article about this on the site where I will have thought it through a little more. This is going kind of top of mind. Uh, but biggest winners, I would say, include Anthony Rizzo with the park shift. David Bednar, I think, is the clearest and most exciting reliever who's stepping into the closer role. Um, let's see. I saw that Reed Detmers was scratched from his minor league start. I'll have to look into that more. But they obviously have a rotation opening now with Andrew Heaney being traded to the Yankees. And we were talking about Detmers as a potential call-up after a, a strong AAA debut last time out. Mm. Uh, but I, I'll, need to, I'll need to get more clarity on that. He, he could end up being a winner. Uh, let's see. I would, I would say, I would say Jos- Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz, but of course it sounds like we won't be seeing them for a while still. Other winners, other winners. I've got one for you, Scott. The biggest winner okay. of all. You ready? Yeah. Trevor Story. Aha. That's a good one. I'll have to jot that name down. <laughs> yeah, Trevor he Story. Stays in Colorado. So now yeah. I feel like you can invest. If, you're, if your league's trade deadline hasn't passed, you can invest in him with more confidence because I think he's still as good as he always has been. And he's just, for whatever reason, underperformed a little this year. I wouldn't be surprised if over the next two months, we see Trevor Story just take off, right? Now that the trade deadline is behind him, these guys are human. This is something that they're playing through, and he's hearing all the chatter, possibility of being traded away from Colorado, a team that the only team that he has known in his major league career. So um, some players are affected by that, and it wouldn't surprise me if now that it's behind him, he just, all right, it's in the rearview mirror, and he just takes off, and he plays up to the level that we know that he can. So it's been a disappointing year, specifically for batting average and power for Story. He's still running a lot. I think he gets back on track. The biggest losers, let's stick with the Rockies, man. This isn't just fantasy. What are you doing? What are <laughs> you doing if you are the Rockies? They don't trade Story. They don't trade John Gray. And I get it. You can extend a qualifying offer, and you'll get some compensatory picks, whatever, but... You're telling me there's no one out there that was willing to give you a decent to really good prospect haul in return for Trevor Story when we just saw Jose Barrios get two of the top 75 prospects in baseball? Uh, yeah, I, I saw some speculation on Twitter that politically, you know, lower lowercase p, politically, the Rockies couldn't afford to get a less than satisfactory return after the backlash for the Nolan Arenado trade, which is if that's why they didn't trade story, that's weak sauce. I wonder if the whole team, uh, the whole league kind of conspired and they're like, we're only going to lowball for Trevor story (laughs) because we've seen what the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado away for. I, I mean, they have data. They, they would have to be concerned about how stories 
production would translate outside of Coors Field. True. And it would be a rental, right? So I predicted actually a week or so ago that Trevor Story wouldn't be moved at the deadline. Now, had I known it would be this wild of a deadline with this many players changing teams, I would have said, well, obviously Story will be among them. But, you know, he wasn't. It's pretty crazy. Crazy, crazy deadline indeed. And I did, I had a not so nice tweet about the Rockies. I just tweeted, imagine being the Rockies. And there there was a really funny response that I wanted to share with you if I can find it in time here. Oh, from uh, Billy, Coach 93 on Twitter. I just imagine their front office has like two employees and a fax machine. That's it. <laughs> Referring to That's the Rockies. Funny. All right, we've done enough bashing for Colorado. The actual fantasy loser, Scott, I'll give you a few of mine, and then you can expand or whoever you're thinking. But Jose Barrios, who we spoke about on the emergency podcast, just don't think that the ballpark in Rogers Center is going to be conducive to Jose Barrios and his pitching style. And then the two White Sox guys, it's just given what we know right now, they went from both being top five closers to maybe neither being a top 10 option, a top 15 option if they're sharing it. So those it's, are some it's possible. It's possible they're either both moderate losers or one of them's a really big loser. Yes. That still has yet to reveal itself. Some losers for you, Scott, outside of those, or you can expand. Yeah, some losers for me. I think those two you mentioned are both big ones. Uh, I would add to the list. I mean, there are so many other closers who might be losers here. Obviously, like Yumi Garcia, clear loser. Brad Hand potentially is a loser. Kendall Graveman, of course, is a loser. I mean, I'm going back to the beginning of the week yeah. with some of these. Romano could be a loser. Either of the Braves guys in Richard Rodriguez and Will Smith, one of those guys could be a, yeah, a big loser. Yeah, I'm not that worried, but it's possible Will Smith could be a loser there. Certainly Richard Rodriguez is if it's not Will Smith. Andrew Heaney. Ranger I mean, Suarez. To, to whatever extent he still had value. Chris Bryant, I think, is a moderate loser. Well, that's not nice. So, it sounds, yeah, it sounds unkind, right? <laughs> a moderate loser. I, I've never heard that loser. term before. He probably thinks I'm a loser. That's probably the meanest thing that you could say to someone. You're a moderate loser. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, uh, Ranger Suarez, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's more losers than winners. All right. Well, Scott's going to write all about it, and you can find that article on the site. Scott's. Uh, Sleepers for next week also going to be on the site at some point this weekend, so keep a lookout for that. It's two-star pitchers, sleeper, uh, one-star streamers, and sleeper hitters as well. That's it. I think we're done. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this emergency trade deadline recap edition of Fantasy Baseball today. Scott and Chris will be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. 
They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.